good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. Did you have a band? Good or bad? It's a great band. It's a bad band. It's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what. There's music in the air. We all know the feeling. Racing heart, sweaty palms, frayed nerves, and some musicians are able to convey all that in one perfect, panic-stricken tune. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We give you our favorite anxious anthems and review the latest from Paul Simon. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and Jim, later on in the show, I've got the Desert Island Jukebox, and I wanted to pay tribute to Merle Haggard, one of the great country artists of all time who died recently, and I was really ticked off about the way he was presented in some of the obituaries. You know, Mm. everybody focusing on that song, Oki from Muskogee, which was possibly his biggest hit, and I think it created the wrong impression of what kind of an artist Merle Haggard actually was. And I'm going to present the flip side to Oki from Muskogee. I look forward to that, Greg, but that's later on in the show. Nineteenth nervous breakdown by the Rolling Stones, a classic. Greg makes you wonder. What, <laughs> Only nineteen? What, 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 what were the first eighteen like? You know, yeah, we know right. what the nineteenth is like. Jagger is chronicling it. It was time to do one of those list shows where we do great songs about fill in the blank. And Alex, one of our staff members, said, "You know, let's do songs about being anxious, about being all wound up, about anxiety. You know, because we've all been there, right?" Mm-hmm. I don't know what her story was, what made her think about that, but I had just recently been to the DMV in Illinois, right? And you sit there, and you know, hundreds <laughs> of people, and the, the 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 counter number is there. You yeah. know, you're waiting for D17, and and yet, but it's at D78. I I just, just I'm getting anxious right now. I can't even breathe just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this recurring dream and I think a lot of people have had it but it always seems to be this English class and I discover like the last week of the semester that I've missed the entire year of classes <laughs> and I'm trying to find desperately where the classroom is and I'm wandering all over the campus trying to find it and I can never find it you know I wake up and I can't get back to sleep after that dream and wow. I'm kind of all wound up and everything and I realize it's just a dream Greg it's just a dream but it I, really bugs me you I know? believe I've had that student as someone <laughs> yeah. who teaches an English class at Columbia College I think I've had you in my class and I've given them an F yeah thank you so songs about anxiety songs about feeling nervous and anxious and and all wound up and I initially thought of Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads but then I said well that's kind of obvious right I have an even better track from the same era. Peers of the Talking Heads in that initial explosion of art punk, 
on the Lower East Side were the Feelies from suburban New Jersey. I've talked about these guys many times on the show. This is one of my favorite bands of all time, and their 1980 debut, Crazy Rhythms, it's one of the all-time Desert Island discs for me. It leads off with a track called The Boys with the Perpetual mm. Nervousness. <laughs> and it's, uh, I think it, it really typifies what the Feelies did musically. Crazy Rhythms is an album that puts the primacy on, you know, drums and percussion and the guitars in the background and the vocals behind even the guitars. And and it's all about these layered rhythms, all of them very nervous, all of them. You know, the Phillies used to take the stage at this point literally bouncing up and down. They were so wired on coffee, mm-hmm. and they would shave right before they went out on stage, and they were <laughs> buzzing. They were literally buzzing. And the boy with the perpetual nervousness, you know, he's a little ominous. You know, he's a kid I know, but not too well. He doesn't have a lot to say. This boy lives right next door and he has nothing to say. You know, the boy next door is me, Glenn Mercer eventually confesses. The music is nervous. The lyrics are nervous. Everything about it is nervous. If you encounter the boy with petrol nervousness, you better run. Really. Mm-hmm. Here they are, the feelies on Sound Opinions. There's a kid I know but not too well. All right, that's the first of my anxious anthems, Greg. The Boy with the Perpetual Nervousness by the Feelies. What have you got? I don't know if I can top the Feelies. That's a great uh, choice to open uh, with, Jim, because I I just remember seeing the Feelies on stage so many times, and they were just bouncing around like pinballs. They are the absolute epitome of anxiety and nervousness on stage. I'm going to go in the opposite direction in terms of presentation. This is a little subversive here, you know, where the, the Feelies were right up front about that sense of anxiety and nervousness. Lupe Fiasco took a different tack on it. You know, there's nothing worse in the music industry than the artist who complains about my record contract and my label sucks. And, it's you know, hard I to got be a famous. Deal. You're thinking Being about Drake, aren't so you? so hard. Yeah, oh. well, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's start with Drake, but, you know, we can. the list is endless. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, Lupe Fiasco could have easily fallen into that trap because he had uh, some famous uh, issues with his record label for a number of years. 
and was unable to release the music in as timely a fashion as he wished, felt he had to compromise tracks in order to get them on the records, and he could have easily put that sense of self-pity into his music. Well, he got it both ways. He created a very beautiful, melodic pop rap song and at the same time addressed some of these issues, but in an oblique fashion. The song that I'm referring to is Beautiful Lasers from his third album called Lasers, released in 2011. And it's really a statement about going against the grain and, you know, not buying what you're being sold, Mm -hmm. not bowing down to authority. But it's also a thinly veiled metaphor about his own troubles with with the label and his desire to release the music in the way he saw fit. So he's getting these double messages across. And this this is a really, really dark track if you listen to the lyrics. He's talking about losing his mind over the fact that in a lot of ways his freedom has been cut off. But you don't really know why. And as I said, the subtext is, you know, he had these issues with his label. But at the same time, this beautiful track, it was always a stellar moment in his shows when he would perform this track with that soaring chorus. It's Beautiful Lasers from Lupe Fiasco on Sound Opinions. There's only two ways Tears in the face of defeat Pretend to the end that you don't feel change Don't admit that your faith is weak Don't say that you feel like dying Life's hard and it feels like diamonds Go home, this is far too gone Much too late to even feel like trying Can't understand what I'm saying Can't figure out what I'm implying If you feel you don't want to be alive You feel just how I am I'm on the dark side And you can't come find them How when it's light all around you Yeah, when it's dark all inside them No winners when it's me against me one of us just ain't gonna survive. My heart been broke for a while. Yours been the one keeping me alive. Beautiful lasers from Lupe Fiasco on Sound Opinions. We're doing anxious anthems, Jim. What have you got next for us? I am going to turn, Greg, to a place that you wouldn't think is that anxious, uh, Norway. (laughs) (laughs) But this artist certainly is. Ida Maria is a name I've mentioned several times on the show. You and I saw her first, I believe, at Lollapalooza when she was touring in support of her first album, Fortress Round My Heart, 2008 blew us both away. Uh, She made Courtney Love look calm and measured, (laughs) right? Uh, And that's a compliment. She was tossing herself around on stage like Iggy Pop. She was screaming this anthem, oh my God. You listen to the lyrics here. Oh my God, find a cure, find a cure for my life. Put a price, put a price on my soul. Oh my God, oh, you think I'm in control. Oh my God, you think it's all for fun. Clearly it's not. She is not in control. She is losing it. But I think, you know, one of the things that, that we, we are not celebrating being out of control, being anxious. We are celebrating music as a tool to get those feelings out. You would think 
that listening to uh, mellow, soothing sounds <laughs> like Enya might help. I mean, for me, the more anxious I am, uh, the louder the punk rock I crank, or the metal, or, or the art punk like the Feelies, or this song like Ida Maria. Oh my God, on Sound Opinions. Find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, oh my God, oh, you think I'm in control, oh my God, oh you think it's all for fun, oh my God, oh you think I'm in control, oh my God, oh you think it's all for fun, been a smile, been a smile on my face, been a smile, been a smile on my face. Oh my God, from Ida Maria on Sound Opinions, Jim DeRogatis's pick for an anxious anthem. I do remember that performance quite well. She was having something like a nervous breakdown on stage in all the best possible ways. And it was 110 about. degrees, you know? <laughs> Who wouldn't in right. that kind of weather, right? I'm going to go to uh, the 80s now, Jim, and Eurythmics, one of my favorite groups from that era. I don't think Eurythmics get enough love, really. No. I, I think it's an amazing group. They made some very deep, dark albums that also had great hooks and melodies in them. Annie Lennox, first and foremost, as the vocalist, Dave Stewart as her co-songwriter in that great duo. Synth pop doesn't do them justice. They were also a product of the MTV era, and I think uh, because of that, some people sort of cast them off as sort of a visual group, and, and that was it. Uh, but I think the visuals actually worked hand-in-hand uh, hand with the music very well. They made some of the best videos of that era. Uh, one of their great collaborators was the great director, Sophie Muller, who was uh, did all the videos for their Savage album in 1987, basically creating a, uh, a visual album for Eurythmics. So I highly recommend that after you listen to this song that you go and search out the uh, video on YouTube and, and, and play it because mm. it really enhances what you're going to hear. You know, Lennox was famous for playing these roles in her song. And in Beethoven, uh, parentheses I love to listen to, she's playing multiple roles, this, this sort of split personality uh, that she is conveying in the song, this repressed housewife transforming herself into this blonde vixen by the end. You know, there's uh, elements of, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. She's cleaning and chopping these vegetables <laughs> desperately. And then she turns into this mischievous little girl, you know, with the blonde hair. And then she's a man wearing makeup and an evening gown. And then she has this nervous breakdown and, and she transforms herself into this vixen and she's trashing everything that she came from. 
And, and this is all conveyed in a song that somewhat obliquely addresses these issues, but then when you see it in tandem with these visual images, you kind of realize what's going on here. And it really is a, a, a metaphor in a lot of ways for the way that Annie Lennox conducted her career. She was never one thing or one personality on mm-hmm. her records, but multiple personalities. And she loved to play with those uh, images, sort of a, you know, a corollary of what David Bowie was doing in the 70s, you know, taking it to another level uh, with her music and videos in the 80s. Here's your rhythmics with Beethoven I love to listen to on Sound Opinions. That is one of Greg's picks for an anxious anthem, Beethoven, I love to listen to by the Eurythmics. Good one, Greg. When we come back, we're going to hear some suggestions from our listeners. And later, we review the latest record from Paul Simon. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. I'm having a nervous breakdown. I'm in a shame. 
Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And we have been running down some of our favorite anxious anthems. You know, to be clear, we are not making fun of people who suffer from anxiety or depression or, or any illness. It's a brave and valiant struggle. But we've all had had these bouts of, of anxiety, these explosions of nervousness, right? You know, I mean, we get nervous just thinking about, I'm still at the DMV in my head, Greg. You know? <laughs> everybody connected with this. As soon as we said we're going to do anxious anthems, everybody had one uh, to suggest. We're going to throw it out now to our listeners. Let's talk to Hannah from Maryland. Hannah, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi. That was such a cheery hello. Have you? And here we are going to talk about anxiety. <laughs> Have you got a great song about anxiety? I do. It's I'm So Tired by the Beatles. Oh, going to a classic there. What makes you think I'm so tired and anxiety? He says in the song, he's like, you know, I'm so tired. I can't set my brain. You know, it's three weeks. I'm going insane. You know, I give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. And then Ringo slams in with the drums to underscore that. Yes, exactly. It's like one of the greatest moments, I think. That's one of my favorite Beatles songs. And being someone who's had, you know, insomnia, staying up all night, I think that's like one of the best descriptions of how it feels to be up all night thinking about something. I'm so tired. My mind is set on you. I wonder, should I go? I'm a huge Beatles fan. My dad was a big Beatles fan, and I, he got me into it. And that's one of the songs that stuck with me because I feel like the honesty that he kind of puts out there, I'm attracted to that kind of music. Thank you uh, so much, Hannah. That's a great pick. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Let's welcome Jean from Evanston to the show. Jean, you've got a song about anxiety for us, right? Yes, I do. My anxiety anthem is Someone's Looking at You by the Boomtown Rats. Mm. All right, tell us about that song and why it speaks anxiety to you. Well, ever since I first heard it, it was about anxiety heightening and feeding on the singer. He's apparently some paranoid Save the Whales Greenpeace-type protester. <laughs> I like it because it's got a Cold War, like 1984, sense about it. He's talking about being watched. He says there's a spy in the sky, there's a tap on the line, and he's worried that his chatter with his friend is under surveillance by the government or some dark agency. That's got impression. Wow. Consider what's going on now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think it's really relevant now. And at the same time, it's he's talking about deserving to be kissed and the stifling heat and humidity and murders being committed when it's hot. So there's just like this anxiety from his paranoia of being watched and also this creepy feeling about how it might play out violently in his own actions. You come over to my place You're screaming blue underneath Some place to hide Hey, well, I wish you'd keep quiet Imaginations run riot in these paper-thin walls And when the place comes a place 
the Boomtown Rats. I'm, I'm impressed, Gene. I think most people, if they know the Boomtown Rats at all, know only I Don't Like Mondays. But you're digging deep here for an album cut that obviously means a lot to you and you've thought about. It's resonated with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you guys were saying, I think it's real relevant today. And I think the guy deserves to be kissed because he's pretty much going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so sending love to Bob Geldof, hoping he's okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Gene. That was a great pick. Thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Thanks so much. Love the show. Let's turn now to Oregon. Uh, we have Carl on the line from Albany, just south of Portland. Carl, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thanks for having me on. All right. Are you doing okay this morning, or are you anxious, full of anxiety about anything? Tons <laughs> of anxiety. <laughs> yeah, well, but have you got a great song about this situation? I hope so. My pick is Delirium by Motion City Soundtrack. The song's got this real anxious pace to it. There's kind of a jumpy bass line. There's really racing synth lines to it. The lyrics are kind of about being in a mental institution, being on you know, medication, all of these things are making the person in the song anxious. There's a voice, there's a voice, there's a voice in my head. It's rather soothing and it tells me I'd be better off dead. But if I beat it, maybe punch it, even kick it away, then everything will be all right. I swear in pharmaceuticals, I swear in pharmaceuticals, the How did you first come upon the song? Being a fan of the band for quite a long time, I had picked up the My Dinosaur Life album right when it came out. Pretty much anything from the band's catalog could probably be plucked out and used <laughs> for the <this> show. <laughs> uh, mental health issues are kind of a common theme for the band. Uh, they do a great job of capturing it. And mostly upbeat, exciting songs that don't really live in the doom and gloom, kind of exciting, uplifting takes on anxiety and other mental health issues. Thank you, Carl. We appreciate the call. Thanks. Some great suggestions there from our listeners, and uh, you too can nominate your favorite anxious anthems at 888-859-1800. Now let's get back to our list. What's next for you, Jim? You know, Greg, I, I think anxiety equals pressure. And probably most people, when you think about best rock song ever about pressure, they're going to think Under Pressure, David Bowie and Queen. No, 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 no. <laughs> Toots and the Maytals, Pressure Drop. This is one of the all-time great songs in pop music history, period. It is key musically because it leads from the ska and rock steady movements into the birth of reggae. It is key just because the hook is incredible. Really, the only thing anybody remembers from the song is pressure drop, pressure drop, pressure got to drop on me, right? And that's all you need. I mean, it's one of the greatest choruses ever. Look at the people who've covered it. Izzy Stradlin of Guns N' Roses did a fantastic version. The Specials, The Clash, The Rolling Stones. You could literally find 500 covers of Pressure Drop on YouTube, on the web. But man, the original. Toots and the Maytals were a key band, as I said, in that movement. Pressure Drop is from 69. Scott is becoming reggae. Reggae is being born. They're working with the great producer Leslie Kong. In 72, they're on the soundtrack of The Harder They Come. You know, who can forget this song? If you've never heard this song, you're about to have the best treat you're going to get this <laughs> month. Trust me. Pressure Drop by Toots and the Maytals on Sound Opinions.
Man, that's a classic. I just that makes me so happy. It's weird that a song about your life is almost ending, the pressure is going to get the drop on you, can make you that happy. But damn, that's a happy song. So it's in the Maytals pressure drop. What do you got, Greg? I've got another very intense track, and I have a very vivid memory of seeing this band perform at Coachella when they reunited about a decade ago, and it was an awesome moment. The sun was setting that orange glow in the mountains, and this song was kind of ringing out, and it was just a staggering moment. I'm talking about the Pixies with the song Where Is My Mind. When you look at Black Francis, you go, now there's a guy, if anybody's going to have an anxiety attack, it's this guy, because he sounded like a guy who was possessed. A number of songs in his catalog addressing this subject of feeling like you're losing control. You know, I talked to Black Francis, a.k.a. Frank Black, and he said this one in particular was inspired by, he, he went scuba diving in the Caribbean, and he said there was this little fish chasing me around, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm kind of in this altered state uh, underwater, and I can s- sort of understand what he's talking about. I, I've gone snorkeling in these deep sea waters sometimes, and you see this like wonderland of fish around you, and it's like you've dropped into another planet. And before you know it, you are sort of hallucinating a little bit because you wonder where you are. And then I think what really tops the song off is you've got this intense Black Francis vocal, but then Kim Deal adds her harmonies. And to me, it's like his other self calling to him underwater, like, come back. You know, you're, yeah. you're going to be okay, but maybe not. You're sort of drifting away from me. And it's this beautiful, haunting moment. Where is my mind from Pixies on Sound Opinions? Where is my mind by the Pixies on Sound Opinions, a anxious anthem for this show. When we come back on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll finish up our panic playlists and we'll review the new album from Paul Simon. Plus, Greg will drop a quarter into the Desert Island jukebox. But first, we want to hear from you. 
Nominate your anxious anthem suggestions at 888-859-1800 or join us on Facebook or Twitter. Panic on the streets of London Panic on the streets of Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis. We're playing some of our favorites, classics that we're calling anxious anthems about anxiety, nervous breakdowns, nervousness. Jim, what have you got as a final song? Greg, I'm going to go out with a classic. I'm going to go out with a song by Queen from 1977, Sheer Heart Attack, right? I think we've been underplaying the musical contributions to anxiety. There are certain sounds that I think bring to mind uh, that feeling of anxiety, an insistent drumbeat, you know, that won't stop, that's faster than it should be, faster than your heartbeat. All the instruments, you know, pounding away, doing that kind of Alfred Hitchcock soundtrack thing Hmm. where you have the strings pounding. This song is perfect. It's a rare Queen song that was written by and sung by the drummer Roger Taylor. So you don't have Freddie Mercury on it. Taylor is a student of rock history. He starts out the song, well, you're just 17 and all you want to do is disappear. You know what I mean. There's a lot of space between your ears. He is making fun of, you know, the Beatles. You're just 17. You know what I mean. And he's taking it somewhere new. And where he's going is to have a heart attack (laughs) or, as he says at one point, cardiac arrest. He finished it when Queen was in the recording studio making news of the world and there was this little band next door making a hell of a racket they were called the sex pistols Mm. and queen did punk on this song at least as good as the sex pistols did punk sheer heart attack on sound opinions Do you know, do you know, do you know just- 
Queen with Sheer Heart Attack from 1977. Greg, you have one more anxious anthem. I do, Jim, and it's going to be a little bit more melancholy. I'm sort of veering into the depression territory of, of the mental well, spectrum Well, you're going to ruin it. That's a whole separate show. <laughs> I'm referring to uh, Rainy Night in Georgia by uh, Brooke Benton, a huge hit in 1970. The song was actually written by Tony Joe White, a very well-regarded songwriter out of the South. He was uh, working in Marietta, Georgia for the highway department, and when it was raining, they wouldn't work, and he was kind of depressed about the fact that he wasn't making any money and he'd sit in his apartment and write a song you know mm. that was the way he passed the time you know it's like i you know i need to do something here and he wrote this incredibly melancholy song about feeling all alone in the world you know lord i believe it's raining all over the world how many times i wondered it still comes out the same benton takes this song in 1970 his career had sort of been on the rocks he'd had a few hits in the early 60s then a long fallow period here he is singing about trying to find some shelter in a boxcar. His girl had left him. His only solace is to write this song, and even the song isn't coming out very well. And you can just hear the world weariness in Brooke Benton. You kind of wonder if he's going to live to see another day. The beautiful arrangement by Arif Mardin on this song only enhances that mood. It's Rainy Night in Georgia from Brooke Benton on Sound Opinions. Hoovering by my suitcase Trying to find a warm place to spend the night Heavy rain falling Seems I hear your voice calling It's alright A rainy night in Georgia A rainy night in Georgia It seems like it's raining all over the world I feel like it's raining all over the world Neon signs are flashing Taxi cabs and buses passing through the night A distant morning of a train Seems to play a sad refrain to the night A rainy night in Georgia Such a rainy night in Georgia Lord, I believe it's raining all over the world I feel like it's raining all over the world That is Rainy Night in Georgia from Brooke Benton, an anxious anthem for me. Jim and I have wrapped up our discussion of anxious anthems, but we still want to hear what you have to contribute to the show. Give us a call at 888-859-1800 and tell us about your anxious anthem. Milwaukee man led a fairly decent life, made a fairly decent living, had a fairly decent wife. She killed him, a sushi knife. Now they're shopping for a fairly decent afterlife. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a song called The Werewolf by Paul Simon from his 13th solo studio album, Stranger to Stranger. Greg, where do you start with a guy like 
Paul Simon. You know, second only to Dylan, probably the most famous singer-songwriter of the 1960s. Uh, he's 11 years old when he meets Art Garfunkel. It takes him a while to get going, but in the 60s, they are one of the top groups in the world. After 1970, the creative tensions begin to brew. Simon launches a solo career in 1972. And that becomes, if anything, bigger than the huge accomplishments he'd had with Art Garfunkel. Of course, Graceland in 1986 is the key album everybody talks about. A tough mid-2000s, Cape Man, a phenomenal flop on Broadway. And it came back, made a record with Brian Eno, made another record that really recalled his early folk music. And now he has the this project. As always, Simon is doing some weird stuff. He's going to Montclair State University in New Jersey, and he's plundering the collection of weird homemade instruments made by Harry Parch, a famous name to fans of experimental electronic bizarro music. He also is working with a longtime collaborator, Roy Haley, at his side, and an electronic dance artist from Italy, Clap Clap a strange brew, but we're used to getting weird mixes of sounds from Paul Simon. Let's play a track and we'll come back and we'll give our opinions on Stranger to Stranger. This is the song Wristband by Paul Simon on Sound Opinions. I stepped outside the backstage door to breathe some nicotine And maybe check my mailbox See if I can read the screen Then I heard a click The stage door lock I knew just what that meant I'm gonna have to walk around the block If I wanna get in a wristband, my man You got to have a wristband If you don't have a wristband, my man You don't get through the door Wristband, my man You got to have a wristband If you don't have a wristband, my man You don't get through the door Can't explain it, I don't know why my heart beats like a fist When I meet some dude with an attitude saying Hey, you can't do that, or this And the man was large A well-dressed six-foot-eight And he's acting like St. Peter standing guard at the pearly wristband My man, you got to have a wristband that is Wristband from Paul Simon. The new album is Stranger to Stranger. A funny song. Paul Simon, normally not associated with humor, but there's <laughs> always a, a sense of humor in Simon's music that maybe isn't fully appreciated. You know, here he is. He's playing his own show. He gets shut out of his own show when he steps backstage. The stage door closes, and the guy won't let him back in because he doesn't have the proper credentials. Okay, that's a funny vignette, but then he turns it into something a little darker uh, when he's talking about this whole idea of like, well, this is sort of an indication of, of the way our society operates. You know, that there's some people that just aren't allowed backstage, you know, mm-hmm. and he's singing about those people. The 99 percent, you know, it's going to start with the people who aren't let in. It's a funny song that becomes something larger at the end. He's not pounding you over the head with the message, but it nonetheless speaks to the way that Simon can take a metaphor and play with it in a song. To me, This record works because Simon is not an artist that sits still. As you said, Jim, he's experimenting with these odd instruments. He's working with these uh, Mediterranean sounds, the hand claps and the guitars. This is groove music, you know, and at the same time, it's like dancing on your own grave because mortality is a big part of this record. 
much like with that Eno record you referenced earlier, he is talking about life coming to an end. And, you know, here's a guy in his 70s. He's facing up to it, but not in a morbid kind of way. At the end of the record in this beautiful song, Insomniac's Lullaby, he's talking about, hey, we're all going to go sometime. You know, some of us are going to go sooner than others. But meanwhile, we have this music, you know. Music is the tongue I speak, he sings. And I think the musicality of his restless imagination, the fact that he continues to make records that to me do not sound like, oh, that's a Paul Simon record from 1972. No, this is a guy who's still changing. And I give him a lot of credit for being a baby boomer artist who continually keeps changing up the formula with each record. For me, it's a buy it. Well, Greg, at the risk of generating more hate mail than anything I've done since saying how much I love meat, there is a certain smugness and self-satisfaction about Paul Simon that I think is a major obstacle for many people in enjoying him. He is just so proud of himself and so (laughs) eager to show how witty and how much of a genius he is. I know I'm not alone. I'm sure there are other people who feel this way. I think he's more subtle about it, though, than you're you're saying. Uh, Look, look, look. The metaphors in The Werewolf, this voracious, hungry capitalist, right? And the metaphor in wristband, you know, some of us are in and some of us are out. You know, in my English class, he'd get like a D, all right? It's just overwrought and too obvious. He's best at this album when he is moving. A song like In a Parade, where the rhythms take over, Paul Simon does rhythms well. But there are some very slow parts. You know, you said you liked Insomniac's Lullaby. I I mean, it's driving me to distraction. I wouldn't want to be listening to it when I'm driving. I'll go right off the road. I don't hear Simon doing anything new. I hear him trying to give the illusion that he's doing something new at age 74. So it's a try it record as far as I'm concerned. A buy it for you, a try it for me. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us takes a trip to the desert island and plays you a song we can't live without. Greg, what do you got? Jim, this song was inspired uh, by Merle Haggard, specifically the discussion about Merle Haggard after he died on his 79th birthday recently. Lots of tributes, lots of obituaries, a lot focusing on Oki from Muskogee, his biggest hit in many ways uh, from 1969. And he was essentially taking shots at the hippies and the protest movement, and a lot of people took it very seriously. You know, he's upset that these people are putting down his country, and it was taken as this kind of flag-waving nationalistic anthem. And the counterculture, who had embraced Haggard up until that point, was kind of like, well, what's going on with our guy? You know, he's, yeah, he's gone he's over. Selling us out. He's gone to the other side. And at the same time, there were a lot of Americans who truly appreciated this message from a man who was quickly becoming a country icon. Haggard himself had conflicted feelings about the song. He said several different times what he thought the song was about or how he wrote it, everything from being a very flippant kind of song, just a joke. He was writing about his dad to saying, no, I really felt this way at that time. But I think it's instructive to everyone to note that immediately after that song, the single that he wanted to release was a song called Irma Jackson. And it was a song in support 
of interracial romance and marriage, mm. a topic that certainly would have ticked off many of the fans who embraced Oki from Muskogee. So this song, Irma Jackson, you know, in it, he says, if my love in Irma Jackson's a sin, then I don't understand this crazy world we're living in. He's basically coming right out and saying, I don't get people who think I am just one thing or can only be one way in order to please you. His record company, of course, didn't see it that way. They said, hey, you've got this whole new audience. You don't want to tick them off. So they suppressed the song. They basically told him, don't release it. He finally did get his way three years later. I think it would have been amazing if that song had come out back-to-back with Oki from Muskogee as a yeah, single really. and how the reaction would have been. I think it's one of the great, widely unwritten aspects of Haggard's career, that that's the way he would have wanted it. In some ways, this is a sort of a polite version of Merle's career. He had that Bakersfield sound, and he's got it in there, but they sort of gussy it up a little bit with those female backing vocals, and that can throw you off the intensity of the messenger. He wanted this song to be heard. He was intentionally sweetening it up so that the audience would hear exactly every word that he was trying to convey in this song. A controversial message, and really, I think, speaks to the multifaceted nature of Haggard as an artist. Merle Haggard with Irma Jackson on Sound Opinions. I'd love to shout my feelings from a mountain high And tell the world I love her and I will till I die There's no way the world will understand that love is colorblind That's why Irma Jackson can't be mine I remember when no one cared about us being friends We were only children and it really didn't matter then But we grew up too quickly in a world that draws a line Where they say Irma Jackson can't be mine If my loving Irma Jackson is a sin Then I don't understand this crazy world we're living in There's a mighty wall between us standing high But I'll love Burma Jackson till I die She tells me she's decided that she'll go away And I guess it's right that she alone should have final say But in spite of her decision forcing us to say goodbye I'll still love Irma Jackson till I die If my loving Irma Jackson is a sin Then I don't understand this crazy world we're living in It's a mighty wall between us standing high That is Greg's Desert Island jukebox pick, Merle Haggard's Irma Jackson. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we have an in-studio visit and performance by one of our favorite artists, Bob Mould. Sound Opinions was produced by Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, our intern Libby Gormley, and some much-appreciated help from Jason Mark. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. 
So now it's time to hear what you have to say. Operator, can you help me? Help me if you please. Give me the right area code and the number that I need. My right or left. New messages. Hi, my name is Sue. I'm calling you from Toronto, the capital city of Albania. I have a policy about sound opinions, which is to listen to every single episode beginning to end because I never know what I'm going to discover. And this week, I'm so behind in my podcasts that I almost skipped over Eleanor Friedberger because I'd never heard of her. That would have been a horrible mistake because I have one word about her. One word only. Wow. I feel just as crazy as I did Hey guys, Rick calling from Collingwood, Ontario, Canada. Just heard the Dylan podcast and it's really taking me back. I remember hearing my my back pages in the summer of 65 at the age of 11. It was like nothing I'd ever heard before. Pounce with fire on flaming roads Using ideas as my maps We'll meet on edges Soon said I Proud neath heated brow Ah, but I was so much older then I'm younger than that now it was this very song that put me on a musical journey that to this day has never ended. Your efforts keep me on this path. I must thank you. My name is Sean. You're from Chicago. Just listened to your second week of Bob Dylan coverage on Sound Opinions. Great show. I agree with most fronts, except, Jim, you had said that his work with Eno was overproduced. I don't know what you define as overproduced, but... I really feel like, especially in Time Out of Mind in 97, I think his work with, with Wang Wild was its best. And my heart's in the highlands Gentle and fair Honeysuckle blooming In the wildwood air Bluebells blazing where the Aberdeen waters flow. I feel like they reached this point of dreaminess, murkiness, things that were a bit uncertain, harking back to an older time of, dare I say, AM radio, but also a little bit of sonic exploration in terms of the way things were recorded, the way that things actually sound. Hi, this is Jack from Chicago. I really enjoyed listening to you guys review Chance the Rapper's newest mixtape, Coloring Book. And I love how you guys talk about one of the main themes of the album, with Chance addressing you know violence in Chicago. He's been giving it national attention through his music, and I'm glad that you guys really brought that up. I think you guys could have talked about, however, other Chicago artists featured on the album, such as Jeremiah or Jamila Woods. Yes, 
there are some big stars on coloring book like Lil Wayne, Two Chains, Kanye West, Kurt, you know, Kurt Franklin, T Paint, but you know, there are other artists on there from Chicago that Chance included, and I think he did that purposely, not only because he's friends with them, but also he wants to give them, you know, a platform to have their opinions spirit as well. I uh, love the show. Thanks. When I was so young before I could remember, I would always treat my game like family member. Even when I change, I can never change up. I always bring my friend, my friends, my friend, my friends up. When I was so young before I could remember, I would always treat my game like family members. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.